Hey, everyone. We're going to start the show in just a moment, but before we get into all the football stuff, John and I just want to wish a very, very, very happy congratulations to both Mike and Heather Venutolo on the birth of their new baby son, Lucas Brian Venutolo. Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to say happy birthday, which this is. Happy birthday, Luke. It's his actual birthday, or it was. It was on Wednesday. Yeah, the day after we recorded, so we had to wait a whole week to get it in here. We've talked to you guys about that. Please, if you're going to do anything, get engaged, married, anything like that, don't do it on a Wednesday. Do it on a Tuesday um, or Monday so we can get into the episode coming up instead of having to wait. I mean, the baby's almost a week old at this point now. Yeah, he's probably got a beard. Yeah. Well, anyway, we just want to dedicate this episode to you guys. Um, we're just, we couldn't be more happy for everyone there. And uh, just hope you enjoy the episode. Yep. Good job, Mike. You're going to do great. Proud of you, buddy. Uh, can't wait to hear you say, Luke, I am your father. That's real original, John. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to yet another fantastic edition of A Bit of Fellatio. I am your host, Jason Geller, alongside producer extraordinaire john maddox john how's it going today i'm doing fantastic jay how are you doing i'm doing all right i know from a fantasy perspective i shouldn't be but i just got done being sick over a long weekend so i'm feeling better and that makes me happy got done it sounds like you're still sick i well my voice is probably the last thing to come back but certainly feeling worlds better than i did i took a four-day weekend uh, with time off and spent 75% of it sick, which feels unfair. But no, I feel so much better now. Uh, and I, I didn't bet, know how I was going to go through this podcast otherwise. I bet screaming at your TV during the UCF game didn't help. No, I did definitely did not scream at the TV. I just kind of, I, I was miserable Saturday regardless. So I, just I think keeping an eye on the game didn't help matters. I think all UCF fans were a little bit miserable Saturday. It was. Fortunately, Sunday was, was a little bit easier for me, watching the Lions dominate all the game long that was fun that's rare as a lions fan let me tell you yeah uh, what 40 points 40 to 14 we were up early and never looked back i think we got a turnover on like the first play or two from scrimmage and then immediately punched in for a touchdown and just we we're off to the races from there yeah and i'd like to apologize to all, all of our listeners who took my advice and watched the usa soccer game that was a big disappointment as well you know what it was but we weren't going to win the whole thing. It was probably just a matter of how many penalty shootouts we could find ourselves in and well, try and survive that way. You'll never win the whole thing with an attitude like that. Well, we haven't won the whole thing. So I think it's time for a different attitude. All right. Well, enough chit chat. Let's get into the good stuff. All right. Well, before we get into the normal game recaps that we start with, I do want to start the show by congratulating four of our teams now. Team Wobble, Flynn's Flock, you'll see, and I identify as the league champion. All four of those teams have now officially clinched playoff berths. We do have three others that are officially eliminated from contention. That's the Tortoises, the Mob, and Fantasy Football teams. So apologies to you guys. We're going to try and focus this podcast as much as we can on the teams that are still in the discussion. However, for those three teams that are out, we've got a few... Uh, few mementos and things to bring up for you guys um, and don't worry this isn't going to be your last mention either we will be coming up on future episodes and including you guys as part of our look ahead to next season i also want to give 
the tortoises, the mob, and the football team a uh, proactive thank you for setting your best lineup, still trying to participate, even though you're mathematically eliminated. I know you're going to put your best uh, lineups together and try to play spoiler, try to have fun with the last remaining week of the season. Yep, agreed. And certainly those games are going to mean something because uh, the remaining five teams are vying for two playoff spots. And John, that's me and you, Andrew and Joe Stave, and even Mikey Flynn, who is still alive, the Gingers there. So we'll get into what that means as far as being alive, controlling one's own destiny, uh, talk about the teams that are in contention for division titles and first round buys as we get into the episode. But first, I want to look back at everything that happened this past week. Um, as that really is going to set the tone for what things will look like going forward as we head into the final week of the regular season. But last week, um, our leading scorer, Danny, dominated. He leapt into the division lead, as a matter of fact, putting up 117 points to lead all teams this year, or this week, excuse me. Um, He was led by, this was the A.J. Brown revenge game, his first game against the team, Tennessee, that traded him in the offseason. Um, and he certainly came through. He led Danny's uh, all scorers with 23 points, 119 receiving yards, two touchdowns. And um, he had some really impressive catches that uh, I saw the one touchdown that he caught as it deflected off the shoulder of the defender going into the end zone. Really impressive. Yep. Good job. The other one, he was just kind of wide open and literally walked in to the end zone, turned around as if to say, where is everybody? Hmm. So. If maybe impressive on different levels, impressive they could leave him that open. Sure. Yeah. On top of that, though, I mean, Christian Watson continues to to thrive. Another two touchdowns. That's now eight over the last four weeks. He did get one of them as a rushing touchdown, a 46-yard carry at, at that. And then a 14-yard receiving touchdown through uh, 20 points total there. And, um, yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs keeps rolling. Again, coming into this game, questionable. I think we felt better about him playing this week than last week. But certainly, you know, another 140 yards and uh, a touchdown there for him. Danny's top players are, are really uh, rolling into form here at the best time of year. Yeah, he had a good fill-in start by uh, Shamage Shimaji Perrine uh, as well. Uh, I think that might be the last week that he's useful. But looking at his bench, he didn't even need that fill-in start. Um, A.J. Dillon had a rushing touchdown and a good game. And DeAndre Swift. Okay, I'll ask you this again. Is DeAndre Swift back to being DeAndre Swift? I can't answer that without jinxing anything. However, if you take the trajectory of he got injured early in the season – he missed a few games, and then he was slow rounding into form coming back from that injury. This appears to be, again, another player hitting his stride at the right time of year for Danny. And I, I know we're, we're going to get more into the um, you know, Philadelphia-Cleveland situation, but Danny leaving DK Metcalf on the bench and rolling with Amari Cooper. You okay with that decision? It, it netted him minus 14 points this week. You know, I think the only reason, if I was trying to envision Danny's methodology in reaching this conclusion, is he figured that DK Metcalf was likely to draw Jalen Ramsey opposite him. So maybe he just wanted to avoid, you know, Jalen Ramsey's shadow coverage. I guess, but doesn't Jalen Ramsey normally play just one side of the field? He doesn't shadow a single receiver? Uh, depends on the team. Sometimes he'll, tra- he'll, he'll follow 
Um, you know, obviously, Seattle has two top receivers, Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two different styles of receiver. One's biz, uh, bigger and more physical. The other's a little more of a speedster. But no, uh, you know, Danny certainly, he, he benched two receivers. Let's give him credit where it's due. He benched two. He also benched Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddell put up a zero, which is just shocking to me. Just completely mind-blowing that he would even only put up, you know, nine receiving yards and zero fantasy points. But he benched two of them. One was the right one. One was the wrong one. Well, you know, San Francisco's got a good, strong defense. I understand that decision. My hesitation comes from a change at quarterback. You know, receivers are very dependent on that relationship that they have with their quarterback. And with Watson coming in, Brissett going out, he might have a completely different relationship with all of those receivers and might not spread it around the same as Brissett. You so know, I would have been I would have been hesitant going into that game starting any of the Cleveland wide receivers. It's entirely possible, but if you look at Amari Cooper's just this is his receiving yards the last two weeks, 113 receiving yards, 94 receiving yards against two tough teams, Buffalo and Tampa Bay. So he did that against tough teams. Now, week 13, he draws Houston. And you figure it's not going to be as difficult there. Um, maybe, you know, we figured he'd have some opportunities early, you know, late in the game. You figure if Houston plays the way Houston's been playing, maybe they're not going to be, you know, throwing the ball as much, period. But I, I can see where Danny w- was going with that. It's a guy that's averaging over 100 yards a game his last two games. He's certainly an established name. M- makes sense that he would, you know, want to go with that, I suppose, rather than um, DK Metcalf against potentially a tough defensive opponent. And- I see your next note here. I hate to be going into a negative so early in the episode, but let's get into it. Yeah, we do have some bad news. It's not all roses for Danny here. He did lose one of his players due to injury this year or for the rest of the year. And this one is this one hits close to home. This is a podcast favorite, possibly the podcast favorite. Jimmy Jeans, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's going to be done for the year, at least for the fantasy year, uh, due to a broken left foot. Um, Jimmy Jeans, you you burnt bright, and you faded out quickly, and and we're going to miss you. From Danny's perspective, he's done for the regular season, the NFL regular season, so he won't be coming back to Danny's team at least any point this year, and he's not eligible to be kept for next year. So Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Jeans, your 2022 Felicia season has officially come to an end now. Yeah, pour one out for Jimmy G, Jimmy Jeans. Uh, it was fun while it lasted. It might be his his swan song. 31 years old, hurt foot. They've got a, a another another QB coming back next year. This may be the last that we get to see Jimmy Jeans. Um, yeah, be curious to see what San Francisco decides to do. Obviously, they brought Jimmy Jeans back. Um, late in the offseason as an insurance policy. They probably weren't loving what they saw with Trey Lance in the first place in training camp and in practice. Um, so we'll have to see what they end up doing next season. Actually, I take that back. They don't have the option to keep him. He is a bona fide free agent um, coming up here. So I can't imagine him wanting to go back unless they make the job 100% his. And San Francisco is pretty invested in Trey Lance from a draft capital standpoint. So We'll see. Jimmy Jeans could be wearing a different uniform next year, but there's plenty of teams out there that could always use a quarterback. Um, the Colts come to mind. 
Um, I'm sure there are several others that are, you know, contenders if only they had that one extra piece at QB. Well, until we see you again, Jimmy Jeans, you'll forever be in our hearts. Let's uh, take a moment of silence for Jimmy Jeans. For Jimmy Jeans. On the flip side of Danny's two wins, the two teams he beat were the Mob and you'll see. Um, the Mob actually got away with a, a win over Tommy's team, you'll see. And unfortunately, he only got one of the two wins he needed. So Mike is officially out of contention now. He needed to get at least uh, a 2-0 and week and then get a little bit of help. But one and one won't quite cut it. He does go out, though, playing spoiler, costing Tommy a game. He beat Tommy by four points. I guess the bright side for Mike is not even a perfect lineup would have saved him in terms of beating Danny. So he did really all he could. Um, it wasn't going to get better than one and one for him this week, unfortunately. You know, good thing looking forward. One of the guys he has signed long term that he uh, acquired via trade, Cam Akers. He's got him on a, a dollar deal through next year. Cam Akers actually posted a pretty impressive performance. I was watching the game. He was running really well early, finished with 60 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and you got to figure with uh, the Rams backfield, obviously this season is a disaster for them, but if Akers comes back like that next year, they don't have Daryl Henderson in the mix anymore. Kyron Williams really didn't do anything uh, of note this past week. So, you know, that's all you can ask for is to have uh, promise for the guys that are going to be with you next year. And Cam Akers, at least uh, this week showed a lot of promise. Yeah. I'm not sure who uh, would have traded away Cam Akers at a dollar signed through next year. Such a promising running back would have probably probably been a smart move to keep a hold of that one. Well, I technically traded him away last year, uh, but I think he's moved around quite a bunch as his early season performance this year didn't really justify or inspire much hope. But now Mike has him and he's going to be tied to him long-term through next year. So at the very least, I mean, seeing this kind of improvement this late in the game, you're hoping that, you know, with his Achilles injury, it only gets, you know, much better one year further removed from the actual injury. So, um, you know, silver linings for Mike, that's got to be probably the one of them. And you said that uh, a perfect lineup wouldn't have even saved him. Um, is that the case for Tommy? No, Tommy went 0-2 this week. And the big, big mistake he made, I think he knows it, everyone knows it, he started Deshaun Watson. Just coming back to the Cleveland starting lineup off of that long, long suspension over Lamar Jackson, good call. Lamar got her hurt early, put up a zero. And over Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts put up a 34. 380 passing yards, 12 rushing yards, four combined touchdowns, all taking place on Tommy's bench. Tough break for Tommy. I would like to be, like I'm trying to muster my shocked and surprised and I, I'm at a loss for words. Um, You've got Jalen Hurts, last four games, 21, 23, 29, 34. Those are some big numbers. And 
you decide to roll with a quarterback that hasn't played in a game at all, not even a preseason game this year. He has, he has zero game speed reps, and you're just going to throw him into your lineup and hope for the best. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, I don't know that he was thinking at all, because even at the ceiling, the absolute best performance you could have expected from Deshaun Watson, I'm not sure how it was going to get better than the average game from Jalen Hurts that he's been putting up recently. Maybe start looking at the matchups a little too closely and figure that Tennessee might pose a, a stiffer threat defensively. That wasn't the case. I think Philadelphia has been the better team all year anyway. So yeah, tough, uh, tough to swallow for Tommy there. I, I guess you could give Tommy a little slack when he looks at, okay, well, Watson's coming back and he's matching up against Houston. However, I think what we've seen from Houston lately is they just get run all over. Um, they get beat with the rushing, not with necessarily getting passed all over. I, I just don't understand it. I hope Tommy's okay. I hope he wasn't like having a stroke when he made that decision. I, I trust his health is okay. I think it's poor decision-making from Tommy's part. I think this is really what we talked about all year is, is when, when Deshaun Watson comes back, now Tommy's got additional choices to make and the chance of making the wrong choice only goes up further as you give yourself three options. Now, Granted, now he's got one option taken out of the equation for anywhere from one to three weeks is how long Lamar Jackson will be out. But certainly, you know, now he's down to just a two-person you know, person choice between Watson and Hurts next week. And I think the way that we've shamed him on the podcast today probably means we're going to see uh, Jalen Hurts in his starting lineup next week, I would imagine. All right, wait. I want to take back everything I just said. I think that Tommy should roll with Deshaun Watson for one more week just to see how it plays out. I think that that's probably the smartest thing that he could do. Um, Watson's probably going to have a huge comeback week. He should really roll with him. Hertz is bound to to tail off here towards the end of the season. So, you know, keep him on the bench. He's going to have a down game. Um, you know, go go with Watson next week. Well, if I'm playing devil's advocate in that scenario, Jalen Hurts is playing at the Giants. Giants have been a relatively strong team this year. Uh, they've got a strong pass rush. I could see them making life miserable for Jalen Hurts. You know, on the flip side, Deshaun Watson going up against Cincinnati, also on the road there. You know, maybe some of the things I just said in favor of the Giants, you could justify that it would be similar issues uh, for Deshaun Watson. But Deshaun Watson's a little bit of a different type of quarterback. He's going to be, you know, running first um, in a lot of cases, or getting his fantasy numbers anyway on the ground. And, you know, he could do that against any of those defenses. I certainly think the Giants defensive line is a little bit more threatening than Cincinnati's, though. Yeah, but you've got Cleveland and Cincinnati. That's going to be a, a high, high scoring shootout type of game. Uh, a lot of scoring back and forth. A lot of throwing the ball. Roll with Watson. There we go. I mean, it could go either way. Um as we're talking about silver linings, we talk about the one for Mike. The silver lining for Tommy is starting Watson over Jalen Hurts only cost him one game uh, this week. He would have beaten the mob, obviously, with that. He would not have beaten Danny outright just by making that one change. However, if he had also started the Seahawks defense instead of the Ravens defense, Seahawks going up against the Rams, who are on maybe their fourth different starting quarterback as you go back and forth, all the changes they've made. So... 
yeah, those two changes or those two decisions in his lineup cost him not one, but two wins, one of which would have been against Danny. Danny's now leapfrogged him in the division. Danny's um, in first place now in the division and in control of that first round buy up coming here. So we'll talk about the playoff chase and, and, and the scenarios in just a minute, but certainly Tommy was in the driver's seat almost all season. And now with this one decision kind of cost himself the lead. And now he's going to need a little bit of help. If he wants to get that first round by. Well, enough dwelling on, uh, on Danny and, and Tommy, let's uh, move it on. Well, I can see why you're eager to move it on as the next team on our agenda to talk about John is your own. And certainly you were facing kind of as close to a must win situation as, as you could get in this uh, environment this late in the game. And that's what you did. You you won. You won both games. Your Browns defense carried the way. In fact, the Browns defense scored as many touchdowns as the rest of your entire team combined. Three touchdowns for the Browns D. I'll stop you there. Uh, I will acknowledge I was carried by my defense. This was not a week that I should have gotten these wins. Um, I I rolled with the Browns defense, not because they're a stellar defense, but because they were going up against Houston, who has a awful offense. So I was counting on getting at least one defensive touchdown, a safety, tons of sacks, a couple interceptions. Um, I, I definitely did not see a 30-point game coming out of the Browns going up against Houston. I was happy to see it. I'll take the wins. But my team, besides Tyreek Hill, Thank you, Jason, for uh, Tyreek Hill putting up a 20. The rest of my team was a pretty big letdown. Chubb going up against Houston with their rush defense, I was expecting 20, 25 points out of him. He gets just 80 yards, no touchdowns. Austin Eckler going up against the Raiders, 35 rushing yards, 67 receiving yards, and a fumble, seven points. Um, Here's a bright spot. Deontay Johnson, still still plugging along, got a six out of him. Jamar Chase, only a nine. You know, once again, I was expecting a, a higher scoring game out of Cincinnati versus Kansas City. I was expecting more passing, more passing touchdowns. Chase didn't get one. Tight end was okay. Kicker strong. But yeah, carried by my defense. I will acknowledge it. I've given Sean... Danny, many others, a hard time uh, about making the right call and starting the right defense that they picked up off the waiver wire. So I'll take that as well. All right, well, well, let me let me ask you, though. You said you're lamenting Jamar Chase only put up a nine. Are you disappointed in 97 receiving yards for his first game back from injury? I'm not disappointed. I'm underwhelmed. I think that's fair. I mean, Cincinnati, Kansas City, you're thinking it might be a huge shootout. Instead, it's probably an average scoring game, 27-24. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to be upset with him averaging nine. I mean, I'd kind of be upset if he averaged nine for the rest of the year. I would expect more. First game back, sure, that's great. But yeah, looking at that game, I was thinking that it was going to be a 35-42 to 42 just passing all over the place. And it didn't turn out to be that. Well, you know, it, you're, you're making apologies a little bit for, you know, your, the success of your defense. I will point out you won. You beat Brett by 25 points. So even if your defense had only put up a six, you still would have won. 
Um, so you didn't really need all those extra points. I think it obviously stands out. Anytime someone's defense scores multiple touchdowns, let alone three, certainly stands out. But you won by enough points, which meant the rest of your crew, including Deontay Johnson, put up enough points to really earn you the victory with or without all those touchdowns from the Browns defense. Yeah, and I did get lucky or or Brett got unlucky with uh, Ken Walker going down, only putting up a three. Uh, you didn't expect to see that happen. He went with George Pickens, got a zero out of Pickens. Uh, Jonathan Taylor puts up a 10 against Dallas. I'm not sure that you could really hope for much more than that out of him against Dallas's defense. Burrow put up a 29 for him. Kittle, very underwhelming with a two. Got a good game out of his kicker. Uh, Robbie Gould had a 15. Disappointing Steelers uh, defense going up against Atlanta and only managed seven points in that matchup. So he was a little unlucky. Also a little unlucky that he doesn't really have many other options on his bench. Um, Brian looks like Brian Robinson put up a 10. So I guess he could fill in if Walker misses time, but. Yep. And you know what? You talk about Walker's injury. You kind of faced the same thing in that uh, Tua got injured um, in the middle of his game against the 49ers he left the game. He did not return. Um, he said they say he's going to start next week, so he's not going to miss time. But, you know, you both you and Brett both lost star players or, or major contributors um, in the middle of the game. So, again, you, the rest of your guys did well. I mean, you're the guys that didn't put up a ton of points for you still put up, you know, six, eight, nine points, whereas Brett's guys that didn't put up points zero two and three so you're still making up a lot of ground on those spots alone and then of course as you get into your defense that's huge well and then i've got to ask you all right isaiah pacheco puts up a 15 against cincinnati's defense is it time to start pacheco over eckler but you didn't do it um but <laughs> you could take a look at it and maybe look at the matchups on a given week and decide eckler's unique he gets his points you know a lot of them through the air we're not a PPR league, so maybe you could start deciding that um, if you don't like Eckler's opportunities there, that maybe you're you're going to sit him on the bench. Uh, that'd be pretty bold of you, uh, but <laughs> certainly within your uh, your rights to do it as an owner. Yeah, and then uh, let's briefly touch on the Chulio de Tortoises. Um, they finally got put out of their misery this week, losing to both Brett and myself. Good game out of Tony Pollard, though. Yeah, I think, you know, again, Tony Pollard was one of the untouchable players Rick had um, trade-wise. He wasn't going to be able, not untouchable, but wasn't going to get be given up without paying a premium. Rick really wanted to keep him as a star player, you know, to build around for next year. And, you know, he looked great. Uh, I think he looked absolutely great uh, this past week and kind of more of the same of what we've been seeing from him recently. Um, another 22 points there, two touchdowns. So if the Cowboys do end up holding on to him and moving on from Zeke next year, um, I think it's only going to get better for Tony Pollard there. And then another good game out of Garrett Wilson as well. Yeah, that was the the curious trade that we couldn't figure out from Mike's perspective why he gave up Garrett Wilson. But Garrett Wilson, 162 receiving yards. I mean, just Garrett Wilson is night and day, world's better when he has a competent quarterback throwing to him. Um, 21 last week, 16 fantasy points this week, just through the roof. Um, I just, a, a stellar, stellar long-term, uh, blue chip prospect player, not even a prospect, a player to build around for next year. So Rick's got to be feeling good about Pollard and Garrett Wilson 
as his, you know, two bright spots. And he's got them for just a couple bucks combined. I think $3 combined. Hey, and I want to apologize. I skipped over your, your note here subconsciously, maybe on purpose, because I don't want to have to bring up uh, Jimmy, Jimmy jeans again, but what do you think that does for uh, Debo and Kittle for Brett's team moving forward? Yeah. You know, I understand you not want to talk about it. It's a sensitive subject for all of us here at the podcast. Um, But, you know, we have a job, we have a responsibility here to discuss this. And yeah, I think with Brock Purdy now uh, under center for San Francisco and Brett relying on two key contributors on his team as pass catchers from that offense, I think the opportunities there are going to be a lot fewer, I think on a a couple fronts. I think just scoring wise, I think they're going to score less points. Uh, I think they're going to put the ball in McCaffrey's hands more. And I think Samuel and Kittle are still going to get, you know, shorter schemed throws. Um, but I, I think just the opportunity to score points from them um, just not going to be there as much. Debo in particular, though, will probably get the benefit of a few more handoffs from the backfield. I think are gimmick plays as they move from Jimmy Jeans to Brock Purdy. So you're telling me that you're not confident in the offense that's being run by a rookie last drafted overall, Mr. Irrelevant. I'm actually, you know, I watched the game and when Purdy came in, it wasn't as dumbed down of an offense as I thought they might put in for a Mr. Irrelevant. They let him throw the ball. And, you know, I was kind of impressed with being thrust into that situation, how he was able to perform. And just from a play calling perspective, you know, it doesn't completely torpedo the value of Debo and Kittle, but it certainly diminishes their value going forward. Well, you got any more notes on these teams? Not right now. We will talk about these teams, though, uh, coming up as we talk about the playoff scenarios, uh, particularly Brett's team and your team, not so much Ricky's. Playoffs? Another team that is uh, very much looking like they might be headed to the playoffs is the Boneheads. Um, They got a much-needed 2-0 week themselves, um, put up 100 points, knocked off both the Gingers and, of all teams, team wobbles so you know one team i guess more impressive than the other on paper to beat but certainly needing both in the score sheet and the standings um and he got it he got you know solid contributions from everyone not or almost everyone nothing spectacular the biggest standout of all teams was his defense the 49ers defense putting up 21 points to lead the way but you know he still has strong quarterback he picked up zonovan knight the running back for the Jets, and he put up an 11 for him. Obviously, his stars, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, uh, Terry McLaurin, all putting up points. He is still struggling, though, to fill his third wide receiver spot. And this week, he started DeAndre Carter, the third Ooh. wide receiver. Yeah, the third wide receiver, even with Mike Williams out in Los Angeles. Uh, wide receiver three for the Chargers. He only put up a two. Yeah, and I'm good. Yeah one of those two points came from kickoff return yardage. So yeah, not great for Andrew there. Things are going to get a little bit worse for him this week. He's got Terry McLaurin coming up on a bye, So he's going to have to figure out uh, what to do at wide receiver um, because he's got Mike Williams on his bench. He said he might practice this week. So we'll have to watch and see. He's got Odell Beckham Jr. He's been stashing on his bench, still not signed anywhere. So tough to envision him getting signed and coming in and and just jumping right onto a team actively playing on Sunday. And then the only other guy he's got right now is Jacoby Myers. And, you know, he's dealing with a little uh, injury as well. So this is going to be tough for Andrew to figure out. He's going to 
probably at minimum have to pick someone up off waivers here or start DeAndre Carter one more time. There's always the chance that every week there's some just a guy uh, on the waiver wire that ends up catching a touchdown. So it it's not all necessarily doom and gloom. He could get lucky playing matchups off the waiver wire for the fill-ins this next week. Wait, wait, wait. Do you see that? Look at your window. Do you see that? I, I, I don't see what you're talking about. Oh, no, I see it right here. Look in the sky. See that light? Uh-huh. That's the bird signal. <laughs> this looks available? like a job for Damier Bird. Is he available? I can't imagine why he wouldn't be. So, yeah, this might be a job for Damier Bird to come in and save the day. Could you imagine that? That would be a that would be a bright spot for the podcast if he picks up Damier Bird and yeah, and you mentioned playoffs next week. You mentioned that the Boneheads beat Team Wobble. Yes, Jared Goff. Jared Goff puts up more points than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, this was this is kind of the scenario that we've been warning everyone around for about for Josh's team is. He's going to go as far as the Chiefs take him. But once you get to the playoffs, if the Chiefs have a bad game, then suddenly, you know, he's going to struggle to find points elsewhere. And this is what we saw. Mahomes and Kelsey combined for 21 points. 18 for Mahomes, only three for Kelsey. So just a tough week for them. Juju Smith-Schuster, only three points. Josh was carried, so to speak, by Amon Ross St. Brown, who led his team with 23 points, two touchdowns there. Uh, but yeah, Josh 0-2, which is is rare for Josh to lose a game. Uh, but this week, he uh, he definitely lost. And one of the teams he lost to, Gingers, saved their season by beating Team Wobble of all teams. Yeah, uh, the Gingers. Looking at the Gingers, hey, uh, once again, I, I think Mikey might just be coach of the year. Another perfect lineup. Another perfect lineup. We're giving him credit for that. Yeah, he's he made all of the right decisions. He, he could not have set a better lineup this week. John, how many fantasy points were on the Ginger's bench this week? Well, there were three. Three for the entire bench combined? Well, there were three for Kenyon Drake. And for the rest of the bench players? Zero. But so, Robert, Robert Woods had a catch. He did for six yards. Yeah. Which is six more yards than Henry Ruggs. Hey, it's six more yards than you. That's true. But I didn't participate in the Nevada Penal League this week. Yeah, so Henry Ruggs put up put put points, and we're just waiting for the stats to roll in here. The reporting's go. a little slower from prison. But it's not all all doom and gloom for uh, Mikey's team there. He, he did have uh, Singletary got a touchdown. Stephon Diggs gets a touchdown, 92 yards and a touchdown. Um, Christian Kirk gets 100 yards. Um, so... Some respectable showings, others not so much. Yeah, but you know what? He picked up Trevor Lawrence. We knew he was going to need a quarterback going into this week. Um, he had waiver priority on, on most teams, so he was able to get the guy he wanted. He picked up Trevor Lawrence, put up 16. Not quite the home run game you were maybe expecting against Detroit, but you know certainly he needed a good game, and he got a, you know, at least a decently good game. And then also Youngway Koo, the kicker, two 50-yard field goals, three field goals total, 12 fantasy points. So, I mean, when you only win by four points to save your season, a lot of that matters and, and every little bit of it counted for the, uh, for the gingers this week. Yeah. Good job, Mikey. We'll get more into, uh, what else it's going to take for him to make his way into the playoffs in a little bit, but yeah, 
but no, definitely beating Wobble to stay alive is is a tough task. And I think given where the Gingers were three or four weeks ago, um, just the fact that they're still alive going into the last week of the season here is is pretty impressive. I'm surprised. I didn't I didn't see this coming. Another team that helped their cause here. Uh, unfortunately, this was a close one, really down to the wire for all three teams. But Joe eked out ahead of both Sean and I, 79 to 77 to 77. Late catch by Mike Evans on Monday Night Football on the second to last drive, I think it was, for the Buccaneers, was enough to break what at the time was a three-way tie in our game. Uh, but one more catch by Evans, put him over the top. Joe goes 2-0. and He is on the cusp of 500 at 12, 13, and 1 now. And yeah, Joe uh, needed these two wins and barely squeezed them out. He is now alive and in control of his own destiny still uh, to make the playoffs. And I didn't make it much of a secret. I was rooting for a three-way tie for all three of you to finish at 77s. Um, I think that would have helped my odds a little bit better to make the playoffs going up against um, you know, the, the three of you uh, who going into last week were all in contention to still make the playoffs. With him going 2-0, and oh, I think he could still possibly jump me. So I wasn't too happy with that. But good job, Joe. Um, a 20 out of McCaffrey. Uh, you like to see that. Zeke putting up decent numbers, uh, 14 out of Zeke. But a rather disappointing 16 out of Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, two passing touchdowns. He's playing a tough opponent in New England. The Patriots defense is, you know, pretty stout. And they've certainly gotten themselves familiar with stopping Josh Allen over the years to varying levels of success. But again, you know, you're dealing with Bill Belichick. He can certainly work up a decent game plan to stop the other team's quarterback when he wants to. And going back to Sean's team, I know he's been playing waiver wire defense all season. You think he got a little too cute going with the Falcons uh, D up against Pittsburgh, thinking, well, Pittsburgh's offense isn't that strong. Uh, maybe I'll get lucky. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Fal- I think he did get a little too cute with it. Uh, the Falcons defense is really weak, and it's not like Pittsburgh is Houston. They're not a completely inept offense. Kenny Pickett takes care of the ball. The Pittsburgh's going to run the ball. They're not going to put their quarterback in a lot of situations where uh, they're going to be inclined to, you know, commit turnovers or take sacks. And that's pretty much what happened. No turnovers, no sacks. Um, well, so. I, I think when you look at the um, the algorithm that CBS throws together, they're looking at the matchup against Pittsburgh's offense. And they're they're taking into account the entire year of Pittsburgh's offense. And especially earlier on when Trubisky was still in there, you could count on getting a, a pick here or there and a couple sacks. Um, since Pickett's been in, they've been a little bit better, like you said, protecting the ball. So I, I think that was a little bit too, well, let me just look at the waiver wire and and see who's decent out there, who's got the quote-unquote good matchup coming. I think if Sean would put a little more thought into that, he might still have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny. He dropped the Broncos defense in favor of the Falcons. Broncos defense had only put up three and four points respectively over the last two weeks against the Raiders and the Panthers. So going up against the Ravens and look, you're assuming when you're making the decision that Lamar Jackson is going to play that full game. You're not expecting um, him to get injured and leave the game. But still, I can see why maybe the Broncos defense, there's some talent there. 
you know, obviously the offense kind of holds them, puts them in uh, negative situations, but yeah, Broncos defense ended up finishing with a 14. So would have won him both of the games um, now, in, instead of no, going no, one-on-one. One. We're, we're down to criticizing uh, somebody's choice of waiver wire defenses. Um, it, it's a tough spot to be in where your season comes down to whether you can make the, the best waiver wire defense pickup. Yeah, I, I don't think we're down to just judging that because I think there's another choice here that Sean made that stands out, and that's starting Adam Thielen against the Jets instead of Alan Lazard against the Bears. Um, and that decision also cost him a few points, four to be specific. Um, and again, the difference between going 0-1-1 and 2-0. and So Sean could, you know, right now be 12-14, and I guess it would have been, instead of 10-15-1. and 12 and 14 would have put him at least in the playoff chase rather than completely eliminated from contention. So kind of a curious decision there. John, would you have made that same choice? Adam Thielen over Alan Lazard? You know, I, I haven't really been watching the production of both of them that much. Um, I, from the games that I've watched, I haven't been terribly impressed with Lazard this season. Looking at his last few games he put up, what is it, two, five, four. He did have a, a game with a touchdown before that. I'm always hesitant with Minnesota because I got burned when I had to rely on uh, Kirk the Jerk. But, yeah, you know, Thielen had, had put up 12 points the week prior. so And that was against a New England defense that, like you said, a, a pretty good defense. So, I don't completely fault him for that. I think that's kind of a coin flip. Yeah, I think from my standpoint, I would have gone with Lazard, but more as a indictment of the Bears defense than, you know, an indication that Lazard is more talented than Thielen. I just think the Bears defense, the pass defense in particular, is pretty weak, and I thought that would have been an area to pick on. Uh, so you just wanted to pick on the Bears defense? Well, I would if I'm trying to score fantasy points. <laughs> One of the guys that did score fantasy points for Sean, which is a change from weeks past, is Damian Pierce. Uh, Damian Pierce got on the scoreboard for the first time in three weeks. Not the end zone, but just scored fantasy points. Nine of them, to be specific. So um, as one of Sean's long-term contributors, um, a guy that he's got tied to an $18 contract through next year, prior to that two-week lull of zero fantasy points, he was looking pretty strong. Um, Sean's got to be pleased at least for future prospects that Pierce bounced back a little bit this week. Yeah. And he's got, um, you know, Saquon put up a, a 13 and CD lamb put up a 15 good game out of lamb. So got to be happy with having them on your roster as well. Yep. And now Sean will go into this last week of the season playing spoiler a little bit. So, um, you know, we know Sean will go out there and want to, uh, bring things down. He's playing Danny this week, um, as well as Venutolo. Venutolo's out, but the flock are still right in the thick of things, and I'm sure Sean will want to hang a loss on his brother there. Oh, I'm sure with Danny fighting for that uh, bye, that, that first-round bye, uh, I'm sure Sean would like to be the one to make sure he doesn't get it. Yeah. Well, at least I will not officially just be playing spoiler this week. I survived with that tie i'm still mathematically alive but i am also disappointed in my outcome you know my cowboys defense showed up my rest of my team's offense did not um, justin fields had 19 points but the majority of that honestly came on one play the 55 yard touchdown run 
Um, other than that, not a lot out of fields. That was his only score. Didn't get any passing touchdowns. Everyone else was in single digits for me and just a really rough week for me. The only upside I have, I said all along, I was kind of throwing in the towel. So obviously I traded Tyreek Hill to you for Cooper Cup. Tyreek Hill had 20 points. Obviously that would have been huge for me to have this week. Um, but I've also got an offer, a little bit of an apology to Danny because I was, you know, a little bit uh, gloatful, gloating about my trade with him when I got Najee Harris and Michael Pittman. I gave him Swift and Metcalf. Those guys had big games. Harris and Pittman did not. Pittman especially, only one fantasy point. And John, here's another one of those would you have questions. Michael Pittman or Nico Collins? I got the little uh, note from the uh, fantasy website that said I should have started Collins. Cost me eight points, cost me both games here. Is that an easy uh, decision to make or what do you think? No, that's absolutely not an easy decision. Um, I know Pittman going up against Dallas's D. Dallas has an, a stellar defense this year. But trusting a Houston wide receiver, I couldn't do that. Like, how, I would feel gross. I don't know why you even have him on your roster. Um, well, I need him on my roster for this coming week because I've got a couple of receivers on buys. Um, I'm not thrilled about it, but I guess with Brandon Cooks kind of being phased out of the equation there, Collins is the only guy. And it's one of those don't watch the game, but just maybe turn on the fourth quarter when it's garbage time. And for Houston, there's plenty of garbage time and hope that he gets some points. And that's what Collins did. He got his touchdown in garbage time. So look, I'm not going to be watching too intently if I have to start him, but yeah, I, I, he's going to be out there for me this week coming up for sure. Well, I know we're going to get into this uh, after the break, but I also see another San Francisco wide receiver here. Yeah. Brandon, Ayuk. again, I, I I'm, I'm tied to him. Um, he's a guy that I'm going to pricey lesser production from. Uh, he was really starting to click with Jimmy jeans uh, over the last few weeks. And so having to start all over with a brand new quarterback, I don't know where Ayuk's going to fall in the pecking order for uh, Purdy. I would say though, I mean, between Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle and McCaffrey, I don't see anybody else catching a pass or maybe more than one single pass uh, from Brock Purdy coming up. I think, you know, they got to simplify the game for Purdy. They're going to focus on their main playmakers. They've got those four guys there. So hopefully Ayuk will be on the receiving end of one or two big plays and enough to justify it this coming week here. Yeah. And, and going on that, you might see bigger numbers out of Kittle with them trying to simplify the offense, give them, you know, the dependable tight end. Yep. You might see a lot of dump offs. I, I'm not holding my hopes out for a big game from Ayuk. I'm just trying to survive next week. Well, as an owner of uh, McCaffrey in a different league, uh, I hope that it's just nothing but Christian McCaffrey from here on out for them. Maybe that's the case. I'm sure he's going to get plenty of work um, until they can lock up a playoff spot at least, but we'll see what happens here. I'm not thrilled with my, my uh, outlook here, but uh, you know, I guess on the flip side to give up on the season, start trading away players, focus on next year um, and still be alive mathematically going into the last week of the season. I guess I'll take that. You know, it still makes things interesting and we'll see what can happen. All right. Well, we have a special sponsor this week. So let's take a break and uh, listen to what our sponsor put together for us. And then when we come back, we can get into what everybody needs to do to, to get that playoff shuffle taken care of.
Fluffy Puff Marshmallow, take one, and action. Before I drink a tall glass of melonade, I like to eat about 147 Fluffy Puff Marshmallows. Cut. The bag's upside down. Oh, sorry. About 147 Fluffy Puff... Um, we're not rolling. Oh, right. Take two. Before I drink a tall glass of melonade, I like to eat about 147 Fluffy Puff Marshmallows. Seriously, folks. They're the... Cut! You said Fluffy Puff. I know. Can you believe it? Yeah, they're called Fluffy Puff. I know. Can you believe it? Take three. And action. Before I drink a tall glass of melonade, I like to eat about 147 Fluffy Puff marshmallows. Seriously, folks. They're the... Uh... The... Um... The... Uh... Best... Take six. Action. Before I drink something, oftentimes I eat something too. Take 13. Action. Oh. Before I drink 147 glasses of melonade, I eat 147 fluffy puffy marshmallows. Action. Before I eat a tall slice of marmalade, I like to drink lots and lots of marshmallows. I mean, fluffy puffy. Action. I like marshmallows. They're fluffity. Fluffity. They're, they're puffity. puffity. One, One, two, two three, three, four, four five. Five. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, as promised, we're going to go through the playoff scenarios here. I do want to put one caveat out there for all these playoff scenarios. We're going to be discussing everything, um, assuming wins and losses only. I could not possibly go through all the different combinations um, if we account for the potential for, for ties. Um, so, of course, it's a possibility. If anything comes up that we didn't cover, we'll you know talk about the implications of that, um, tiebreakers and whatnot as we go through here. As it stands now, though, the only one that's clinched their spot and knows exactly where they stand going into the playoffs here is Team Wobble. Um, even going 0-2, we already knew they clinched the number one overall seed, the first round bye, so they are locked in there. However, the next three teams we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Flynn's Flock, You'll See, and League Champ, they're all fighting for that second first round bye. Uh, right now, Flynn's Flock is in the driver's seat for that. They control their own destiny, point, uh, plain and simple. If they go 2-0, and the flock will clinch that division, clinch the first round by as well. So pretty simple for, for Danny's team. Tommy kind of needs a little bit of help. He needs to, he can win the division by doing better than Danny. Meaning if, if Danny goes 1-1, one and one, Tommy needs to go 2-0. and If Danny goes 0-2, Tommy just needs to go 1-1 one and one to clinch the division. If Tommy also wants to get a first round by he needs to do as good or better than uh brett's team league champ so tommy's got a couple different things he needs to do he, i guess he, he can stay ahead of brett on his own he just needs one loss out of danny tommy can still get back into that first round by and then brett believe it or not 
eligible for the first round by still. He needs to win the division, uh, which he would by going 2-0, and and he needs to go 2-0 and in this situation. He also needs the flock to go 0-2 and, and Tommy to at least go 1-1. and and um, we we got to take a pause here because we just yeah. have to acknowledge Brett. Okay, let's acknowledge him. This is a team that was under 500 for the entire season until, what, three weeks ago? They finally, yes. they finally got above 500. Now they're leading their division and have a shot at getting a first-round bye going into the last week of the season. So, you know what? As, as much as I dogged on him earlier and I counted him out, tip of the hat to Brett. He put together a solid team, and they're performing when it counts. Um, I think Brett had the name value on his team. He certainly got the the running backs all together there. Um, he is, you know, Brett's going to be facing off against me and Rick this week, so maybe a couple easy opponents there. So yeah, Brett, you know, needing to get two and zero, he's got the opponents he can do it against here. Um, I don't know if he'll get the help he needs but certainly uh, put himself in a strong position. He's got a strong team. I think we kind of said all along, he's got the the running backs. Um, you know, he's dealing with some bye week issues this week coming up and the injury to Kenneth Walker doesn't help matters, uh, but he's got the depth to be able to survive that. And so we'll see um, if Brett can also get the help from uh, the people that are playing against the flock and against, you'll see, you know, Brett can maybe make up enough ground. Unfortunately, he does not have the tiebreaker over Flynn's flock. So um, he needs to leapfrog him in the standings outright in order to get that first round by though. Yeah. And going into hopefully my team's in the playoffs um, and I'm kind of hoping that I don't match up against Brett. I'm hoping somebody else has to match up and, and knock him out or, you know, I'm going to be depending on a lucky week in the playoffs. And, and John, I mean, it, the very least though, you know, you're not going to get the first round by you're out of contention for that, but you still control your own destiny. You could win the division still, if you go two and O and Brett goes O and two, but you can't get the first round by you'd still be behind whoever out of Danny or Tommy wins that other division there. Uh, but you control your own destiny. You just need to go two and O this week and you'll be in the playoffs regardless. And you're not the only team that controls their own destiny. Andrew um, also controls his own destiny. You and Andrew right now are the, last two wild card teams holding down those spots mm -hmm. um, and certainly you know at that point as long as you can stay ahead of the teams behind you uh, you'll be able to you know, lock up your playoff spots both of you joe and andrew play each other right yeah they do so technically joe also controls his own playoff destiny if he goes two and oh he's going to you know pin a loss on andrew he's only half a game back of andrew so the fans will leap the boneheads in the standings and joe will be in that at least one of those wild card spots with the two and a week this week. Like you said, you're not dead yet. You, you've still got a shot. I am before we get into my team though, because that's going to take a little bit more of an explanation <laughs> to talk about how I can get to the playoffs. I do not control my own destiny. I do want to point out though, if for some reason you and Andrew wind up tied, which could very well happen if you guys, but you know, you're tied right now. If you both go one and one, you guys are very, very close in the tiebreaker. It's going to come down to total points scored. And right now you are 21 points ahead of Andrew on the season. So it's going to be a very, very close call in that total points for, for you know, season long totals for the very next tiebreaker. You guys did split the, the season series one and one. So every point matters, not just against your opponents, uh, but also against each other, you and Andrew, even though you're not playing truly head to head this week. So you're saying don't overthink my waiver wire defense. Well, you're going to need as many points as you can because if for some reason one of your opponents goes nuts and you only go one and one, you may need 
as many points as possible to maintain that 21 point lead. All right. All right. Let's get into this. Uh, what is it going to take for you to make the playoffs? Okay. So we talked about you and Andrew are currently in those last two playoff spots and Joe just a half game behind. I need to leap two of the three teams ahead of me between you, Andrew and Joe. Fortunately for me, you know, with my tie, I'll, I'll still win tiebreakers on, I believe it's points scored or total points against both the fans and the gingers, but I need to go two and O oh. I need to make up either two games against you, meaning you need to go in two or two games against Andrew. He'd need to go in two. And I need to get one back one game on Joe. So Joe would only need to go one and one in that situation. I got to get ahead of two of those three teams. The easiest situation or scenario for me would be if I go two and oh, which obviously I, you know, it has to do, I have to do that or I'm out. And then to have wobbles game against both Joe and Andrew finish where wobble is the top scorer, And then Joe beats Andrew. In that case, Andrew goes 0-2, Joe goes 1-1, and I would leapfrog both of them. If that specific scenario doesn't happen, then I've got to hope you also go 0-2. Okay, so pretty cut and dry then. Saying I have a chance, um, (laughs) which again, all I can ask for. The only thing other than that that I can ask for, I know you're listening right now. I'm going to take a personal appeal. Josh, you're not playing for anything this week, and I know that. However... You went 0-2 this past week, which was very disappointing. Um, I'm not mad. I am I am disappointed. Um, but you can redeem yourself to me by going 2-0 this week. I know you can't control whether Joe or Andrew finish in second place in your, your matchup there, but you need to beat both of them, and then we'll we'll be good. Okay, so what, what I'm hearing is Wobble has nothing to play for this week except for your fantasy football future. That's correct. But so, I would say if he to decides to, I don't know, not change his lineup from last week to this week, leave in some guys that are on a buy, uh, such as been done before. I see, you're, you're out of do. I see what you're trying to do, but, but yes, that would be bad for me. But here's the deal. It would also be bad for Josh because as the number one overall seed, he's guaranteed to play the lowest remaining seed left in the playoffs. If okay. I make the playoffs, I'm the sixth seed. If I win that first round game against the three seed, Josh has got a nice juicy matchup uh, against me for his first playoff game. Can't imagine an easier playoff opponent in the semifinals than my team. So Josh, if you're not going to do it for me, do it for yourself. All right. I, that's a pretty good sales pitch. There you go. Now, the last remaining team that we talk about here, uh, still needing a lot of help, it's the Gingers. They need to basically do the same thing as me, but they also need me to lose at least one game. I am ahead of the Gingers on a tiebreaker, and so I'm going to be part of of what they need. They still need the same outcome, maybe from Josh, to beat both Joe and Andrew, or to have you, John, go 0-2 yourself. So they need maybe as much help as me, but I would say me going 2-0 is not so likely in the first place. So... The Gingers probably have just as much a shot of making the playoffs as I do at this point. Maybe I haven't paid attention in years past um, because there hasn't been a podcast. I don't re- recall the playoff picture being so muddled going into the very last week of the season. I don't. It it feels like an odd year to have so much still undefined going into the very last week. Yep, I think a lot of that had to do with Team Wobble winning so many games that the rest of the teams were bunched together a lot closer. 
uh, in the standings, kind of in that 500 to sub 500 area, which is really where, you know, the teams are. We talked about you and Andrew holding the five and six seeds. You guys are 500 exactly. Joe is half a game below 500 at 12, 13, and one. And then the other teams that are in the equation, 11, 14, and one. 11 and 14 and one shouldn't be in the playoff chase, but because Wobble has so many wins, the five and six seeds don't. And I think that's, we have more contenders for those last couple spots as a result. Okay. Now we talked about what everybody needs to do, needs to have happen. Uh, this is the last week of buys in the NFL, correct? It is. And it's a doozy. We've got six teams on by Atlanta, Chicago, Green Bay, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Washington. All six of those teams on a bye. And so, uh, funny enough, you know, the teams that are going to be most affected, two of the three of them are in my little Brett has Jonathan Taylor and Brian Robinson out uh, on bye, possibly Kenneth Walker out due to injury on top of that. So two running backs that, it, you know, are starter caliber running backs he's going to be without this week. Yeah, and not good for his uh... – prospects of getting that first round by if he needs to go two and oh and he's got two of his heavy hitters out yep now good thing for him due to his depth right now for the time being he's got jeff wilson in his starting lineup and while he waits to hear word on kenneth walker who has not been ruled out yet it could be available but in the meantime don't look now but josh uh, excuse me brett has jk dobbins returning from ir and right in his starting lineup. So not the best week for this to occur for Brett, as you mentioned, with the first-round buy-up for grabs. But, yeah, this is what he's, he's banking on now, either a, a return from injury for Kenneth Walker or J.K. Dobbins coming in cold from injury. I, and I, I heard you mention Chicago, New Orleans, and, and Indy. There's a, another team that needed to go 2-0 this week. Yeah, that makes things very difficult for me. Uh, Justin Fields is on a bye as a result. Chris Olave is on a bye. Michael Pittman, this may not be as much of a loss, um, is also on a bye. So I'm going to have to make do. Um, I've made contingency plans for quarterback. Um, wide receiver is the one where I talked about Nico Collins needing to come in. This effectively makes Brandon Ayuk my wide receiver one this week. Ooh. Nico Collins, my wide receiver two. And for the time being, Jamison Williams, I've been holding him all season. He just got into a few snaps. I think it was nine total snaps he played. He didn't um, even get a target. Week. He got one target, zero receptions. All right. Yeah, and again, the crowd chance for him. Yeah. And, but you know what? I am hoping that this week he catches one or two long bombs. Maybe it'll be like Randy Moss's rookie year on Thanksgiving. He gets three catches for three touchdowns and 150 yards, and that'll be fantastic and save the day. Okay. Well, yeah. Something to watch. Yep. And then another thing working against me, the other team that, that's got bye week issues is Wobble as a result. Um, so Alvin Kamara out of his starting lineup. And then from a wide receiver depth standpoint, Drake London and Curtis Samuel both out, which means Josh will be counting on Juju Smith-Schuster once again due to lack of other options. All right. So you mentioned uh, Kamara out. Is yeah, Kamara's a, on bye. Is, is that a blessing in disguise? Um, you know, for what I need him to do, I need him to beat two teams that are in the playoff chase, the boneheads and the unruly fans. I don't think so. I needed him to be at his best. And remember who Josh's next best options are, um, a bunch of backup running backs, Kenneth Gainwell, Dontrell Hilliard for the Eagles and the Titans respectively. So 
tough situation. Hopefully Josh finds the right guy. I'm not going to skew his decision-making process one way or the other, other than Josh, just please do your best. Yeah, that's not a good stable of running backs on the bench there. And with Kamara being a disappointment recently and going out, he would have done better this week had he started both of his uh, Philadelphia running backs. Yeah, so maybe that helps him identify where to go. This may be the week that we talk about. He does going to start both of those. We'll have to see where he lands. That's certainly a viable outcome for him to decide on at the end here. Sanders and Gainwell both in his starting lineup. Not ideal for anyone that's counting on a wobble uh, sweep victory, but is what it is, I suppose. So I guess the prospects for you and Mikey are even bleaker. You know what? It's team wobble. He will find a way. And of course, I mean, he's still got Mahomes. He's got Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, unfortunately, they're going up against Denver's defense, which can be pretty stout. And they're playing in Denver. So I don't know. Maybe uh, Mahomes will have some mile-high magic in it himself. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that game. Um, I don't have any more notes. You got anything else, Jay? No, that's it, man. We're going to see what happens on the football field this week. And then when we meet up next week for this podcast, John, we'll be talking about the six playoff seeds and we'll only have two games to forecast or to look forward to from there because we'll be uh, heading into wildcard rounds. So be interesting to see how this regular season finishes up. It'll be interesting to see how this uh, podcast season finishes up with only two games each week from here on out. What are we going to do to fill an hour? Well, you know, we're going to maybe not go a full hour anymore, but we will start taking a look at the teams that have been eliminated, look at their 2023 contracts, 2024 contracts as well, um, maybe talk about who their franchise and cut candidates are, and really look at their, their next year outlook for the teams that are already out of it. Well, all right. Hopefully we can keep those teams engaged. Um, I do, once again, want to give a big thank you to all of our owners this year. Uh, I think we've had the highest engagement in the league that we've ever had. Also, I know that that Rick and Vinny and Sean are going to set a good lineup. They're going to do their best, even in a week where they have nothing to play for except to play spoiler. So thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure entertaining you. Hopefully you continue to listen for the rest of the playoff and, and we can make the playoffs entertaining. I know that it's always it's always easy just to tune out fantasy football once your team's eliminated. Uh, so I appreciate you sticking with us. Yeah, I, you know, I think that they like the podcast and, and we're going to create content that's engaging to all owners, even during the playoffs. Um, I think that's the toughest thing about fantasy football is you get into championship week and there's only two teams involved and 10 other teams kind of lose sight of that. You really don't even have any much uh, attention on the championship game at that point. So we'll see. I mean, this podcast may end up you know, turning that around and making things uh, a little more focused on that championship game itself. And you know what? I might even keep track of uh, how Jason would have done in the playoffs had he been good enough to make the playoffs. And we'll have a little segment of that each week. Can you do that segment even if it uh, hadn't made the Tyreek Hill trade? Uh, that might be too complicated. Oh, you'll find a way. You are, John, producer <laughs> extraordinaire. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and let me tell you, John, um, you definitely earn the extraordinaire in your title. You do a great job with this podcast, and I thank you. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I also appreciate the time and effort that you put into um, writing all of the notes and planning out these episodes, because if you left it to me, it would just be, be us chatting back and forth. 
about a bunch of nonsense. Well, that's how we grew from 12 minutes in week one to an hour plus <laughs> over the last month and a half here. All right. Well, now we're rambling again. So let's wrap it up. Um, thank you all once again. Tune in next week. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe and ring that bell for notifications. And uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one, guys. Fluffy Puff Marshmallow. Take one and action. Before I drink a tall glass of melonade, I like to eat about 147 Fluffy Puff Marshmallows. Cut the bags upside down. <laughs> oh, sorry. About 147 Fluffy Puff. Um, we're not rolling. Oh, right. <laughs> Take two. Before I drink a tall glass of melonade, I like to eat about 147 fleshy posh marshmallows. Seriously, folks, they're... Cut! You said fleshy posh. I know. Can you believe it? Yeah, they're called fluffy puff. I know. Can you believe it? Take three and action! Before I drink a tall glass of melonade, I like to eat about... 147 fluffy puff marshmallows. Seriously, folks, the, they're the, uh, the, um, the, uh, best. Take six, action. Before I drink something, oftentimes I eat something too. Take 13, action. Oh, before I drink 147 glasses of melonade. I eat 147 fluffy puffy marshmallow. Action. Before I eat a tall slice of marmalade, I like to drink lots and lots of marshmallows. I mean, fluffy puffy. Action! I like marshmallows! <laughs> They're, They're fluffy! fluffy. They're puffy!